It was light that God created first. Light for the world. It was light that governed day and governed night. It was light that made the rainbow visible after the flood. This rainbow was a sign of God's covenant to never again destroy life on earth. It was the lights from the stars in the sky that stood as a symbol of God's promise to Abraham. If indeed you can count them, God said, so shall be your offspring. It was light from a fire that called to Moses from the burning bush. And it was that same light that shone from a pillar of fire, leading a people through the wilderness in the dark of night. And ironically enough, these people were called the Israelites. It was light that stood still in the sky until Joshua had won the battle against the Amorites. So many lights. And yet with all this light, we as a people were still walking in darkness. But not for long. For the prophet Isaiah proclaimed, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This light was a greater light, the firstborn, not just a light for the world, no, he was the light of the world, who would bring day out of our dark, dark night. The sign of his covenant would not be a rainbow, but a cross, but it would still symbolize a flood, a flood of God's grace for all people. His light burns brighter than a thousand stars. It calls to us from the fire it ignites in our souls. And this light is the way, the truth, and the life, the one who leads us through the wilderness. His light will shine forever until every battle has been won, until every tongue confesses, until every knee greatest light. This is more than a metaphor. Um, so yeah, um, as Annabelle said, I'm Lauren. Um, I'm a master's student here at York St. John. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what God's been saying to me. Um, and I'll reference back to the, the verse as well that we spoke about earlier. Um, but yeah, um, I grew up in a non-Christian family, but we went to church on a Sunday because it was the good thing to do. To be honest, I really didn't like church when I was younger. I just didn't understand it, and I felt like it was a big set of rules. Um, I always believed in God, um, but only when I was slightly older did I grasp what it meant to have a relationship with God. And that's when it started to look a little bit different, and that's whenever I decided to give my life to Jesus. Um, but yeah, over the last two summers, I've traveled to Cambodia with a team from my home church, back in Northern Ireland, if you can't tell. Um, and when I was asked to speak a little bit about this verse in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 15, my mind went straight to Cambodia. So I'm just going to read that again, just to set your minds on it. You are a light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So yeah, I'll explain a little bit why Cambodia. We were working mostly with women and children that were getting caught up in, in the human sex trafficking trade. So as you can imagine, we found ourselves in very, very dark situations. Um, nothing can really compare you for sitting in a nightclub and watching a man buy a woman or walking past parents that are selling their children. But that's where we find ourselves. It says in Matthew, a book in the Bible that we've just read from, let your light shine before others so that you may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. At those moments in Cambodia, we had two choices. Either we sit in the darkness and let it consume us, or we can be a light and be active. I've learned over the last few years how God can use every single part of us. We all carry something and it can be used. To put it simply, as Christians, we are merely vessels for the Holy Spirit, which is God living inside us, that God can use, nearly like a tool on earth to be used for God's plan here. I've been reading a little book about that defines gifts that God's given us as tools, and that's really helped me like process that. <laughs> um, every single person here can be used, and to be a light in the and to be a light in the darkness, as the verse that we've just read says. Red says, sorry. <laughs> if you read further in Matthew, in chapter 7, verses 24, it also reads, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. To me, um, this verse in Matthew that we've just read about light is not only a call to be a light, but also to be active. I'm also not standing up here telling you that you have to go to Cambodia or that you have to go on a mission trip to be a light or to be used. Not at all. That was just what was on my heart. So I decided to put it into action. Sorry, I've lost my page. <laughs> um, and it was through that that I learned more and more about what God was teaching me and what he placed within me, especially over the last few years. I think sometimes we can be quite fearful or weary when we think God is being quiet or we feel distant from God or sometimes we just struggle to sit down and have a conversation with him. But something that I feel like God has been really speaking to me about lately is that God's quietness does not equate to inactivity. What I found for myself was it was a time to be active. And through practicing and actually being that light, God spoke to me in a completely new way. In dreams, in prophetic ways that I can't even imagine and I'm still processing and I'm still learning about them every single day. So maybe we just need to do instead of waiting for all the answers. And in that practice of being a light, we can be used more and more and learn more and more about how loved we are and what God has placed within us to use us. Even in the mundane, even in the ordinary, again, you don't have to go to Cambodia, <laughs> because God uses everyone and notes every single thing in your life, and it is good, and it can be used. So that's what that verse meant to me, to not only be a light, 
but to also allow what God has placed in each of us to be used to be active. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Uh, hi guys, so my name is Jesse, uh, and I'm a student here at the University of York. Uh, so I grew up going to church uh, because I lived in a Christian household, and it was just what we did on the Sunday. It was, it was just a done thing, really. Uh, and we'd go to church, and then we'd usually go out to uh, get lunch at Pizza Express, and that tends to be the best part of going to church, really. <laughs> Good old pizza after. Um, and, and growing up, I believed in it all, uh, the full works, if you will, but uh, never really knew why, and I never thought to really examine it or question why. Um, so I plodded along, going through primary school, then on to secondary school, uh, and then got to the dreaded GCSE year. Uh, and a lot of my friends, a lot of my closest friends, uh, was the year they became very atheist. Uh, and suddenly, like, everyone had a million different questions. Uh, and so sort of, you know, from going along, I, I just became the guy that believed in the fairy in the sky, the guy that believed uh, in nothing, who believed in a lie, believed in something someone else had told me that it was true. Uh, and that's when it really began to sink in. I didn't really know why I believed uh, what I claimed to believe uh, and if it was even true. So there were huge doubts in my mind, questions about whether, you know, who, who God was, could he be true? Uh, and so I started to look into it. And if, it was, if there was anything, anything more to the story, could there really be evidence for a big man upstairs? Or was he just a bedtime story consigned to the dustbin of fairy tale, along with the tooth fairy and Santa Claus? I've always loved history. Uh, science is, of course, important, important but I, I'm not a scientist, and I'm not going to pretend I am. Um, so for me, like, I've always loved looking into the history and seeing whether something can be tested, seeing uh, whether there's evidence uh, for something. Uh, and so I began to think for myself, looking at the Bible uh, and an analysis of contemporary sources, people like Pliny the Elder, Josephus, and Tacitus. Um, and actually going through it, I came to the conclusion that either this was the most cleverly crafted intergenerational lie that had ever been told to fool the masses, as my friends claimed, or maybe, just maybe, there was something more to the story. How could a carpenter from a poor region in Israel, who, how could a carpenter from a poor region in Israel, who as far as history can tell us, never had any formal education in a country that was under rule by another empire, have a greater effect on world history than just about anyone else ever in only three years. It's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus reportedly died and rose again. And that's where Christianity lives and dies. It's at the cross. Either he did rise again, in which case he must be the son of God, or he didn't, and there's nothing more to the story. The verse that was read out at the start captures uh, the question in my mind perfectly. I'm standing up here today because I believe in the weight of evidence cannot be hidden. The evidence that points to the life of a man that was truly remarkable, a man who died on the cross for our sins and who rose again three days later. In my view, the evidence speaks for itself. I didn't have all the answers when I was in school, and I certainly don't have them all now, but I know for a fact that this issue is far too important not to look, not to examine. So don't take my word for it. I'm just a guy standing up here. Go have a look for yourself. Go see whether there's something more to the story. Don't settle for anything less than the wholehearted truth. So if you have questions, come, please chat to us. And if you don't, then maybe I'll just leave you with a couple. Why were people willing to die testifying to this resurrection? How could Jesus have had such a great effect on the course of history if he wasn't the Son of God?
I just wanted to end in just kind of reflecting on what we've been looking at today, on this, this theme of light in the darkness, and also this theme of this, this celebration that we have. And the fact that the story of, of Laura that she, we saw in that video, uh, the story that Lauren told us, uh, the story that Jesse said of his, his discovering Jesus for himself, these are all things to celebrate. And that might sound hard, that might sound difficult when you think about uh, the suffering and the pain behind some of these things, when you think about the things people have had to overcome, when you think about those situations that Lauren found herself in Cambodia. Uh, but what it means for us as Christians to follow Jesus uh, means that we are choosing to follow his light in a dark world. I don't need to tell you that the world that we live in is dark. I don't need to tell you that there's stuff going on around us. Every day, if you scroll through your BBC News app, you'll see pain, you'll see death, you'll see suffering, you'll see hatred, lies, confusion. That's the world that we live in. But what today is all about for us is accepting whether this light, this guy, Jesus, God made knowable, God made flesh, God walking among us, gives us another perspective on how we live life, gives us a whole different perspective on how we engage with the world around us, on how we engage with issues like in Cambodia, how we engage with issues of reliability, of evidence, of struggles, of suffering, of mental health, all the stuff which we see going on in the world around us. The character of Jesus, the person of Jesus, shows us light, shows us truth, shows us a way to live which is totally different from what the world tells us to do, totally different from what all the voices, all the influences, all the different narratives we hear across our media tell us to, to live. I was reading a few weeks ago about the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who was a priest in Nazi Germany. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer ran a training camp for uh, church leaders, for pastors, of people that wanted to uh, run churches in 1930s Nazi Germany. And uh, he had a friend come and visit him at his training camp uh, in, in Germany. And this friend said to him, Dietrich, why are you doing this? Why are you training these people to know God? Why are you training these people to teach others about God? And he said to his friend, come follow me. We'll go for a little, a little boat ride, a little boat journey. So he got on a boat with his friend, and they rode along this river. And he stopped overlooking this, this hill to the side. And over on this hill was where the Hitler Youth, the kind of the Nazi indoctrination program for young people was taking place. And all these young people learning what it meant to be a Nazi, learning what it meant to follow this ideology, this dark ideology, this toxic ideology. And Bonhoeffer is reportedly said to his friend, because this must be stronger than that. This way of life, this belief in the light, this belief in something better, something higher, something more important, must be stronger than the lies that this guy is telling us. Must be stronger than the darkness that I see here. Must be stronger than the hatred that someone's espousing in our world. Bonhoeffer uh, continues to run this camp, continues to run this college for training people. Uh, well throughout Nazi occupation, he did it kind of underground. He was like an underground church leader trainer, uh, which is a, a job like no other. And uh, he later lost his life in a concentration camp. He, he lost his life because he believed in something and because he stood up for something. And because he said that there was light in this world, even though everything around him was dark, everything around him was evil, everything around him was full of pain and suffering and hatred and full of toxic ideologies and confusion. He said, there is something more here, guys. This guy, Jesus, offers you forgiveness. He offers you life. He is the light in our broken world. He is the light in a dark world. And what Bonhoeffer died for, most of us will probably never have to die for our faith. We'll never be persecuted for our faith. We might get told off once or twice that we're a bit weird, that being a Christian is a bit strange. It means you can't do this or you can't do that. But Bonhoeffer was willing to give his life because he believed in this, this message. This message of Jesus as the light of the world. This message of someone that's come, that's God that's come to our world so that we may know him, so that we may know forgiveness, and we may know life in the, dark world, in the darkness of our world, in these tough places around us. 
And as Christians, as for people who follow Jesus, this call for us to be a light means that we're following Jesus' example. We're walking in the footsteps of people like Bonhoeffer, people that stood up for something, that believed in something, that had integrity and had conviction in what we believed. And that's what Laura's done today. That's what she's committed to do by getting baptized. She's publicly declared to all of us, and so all the people that will see her Facebook post and see the video, all that sort of stuff, she's publicly declared in, the, in her belief that Jesus is the light of the world, that he is a better way of living, that knowing him is more important and more, more crucial to her way of understanding the world than anything else is at all. And my question to you guys, kind of to, 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 to round off today, to, to kind of sum up everything that we've been looking at is, um, what is your response to this invitation? This invitation that Jesus says to you, come and know me as a light in your world. Come and lo- know me as a light in your darkness, as a hope in your despair. As a truth in amidst all the lies and fake news and confusion of the world around us, Jesus offers his hand to you and says, I am the light of this world. I died for you and I rose again and I love you and I'm here to bring you life. I'm here to bring you freedom. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I wonder if you'd like to, to stand with me as we, as we close up. This verse, uh, this invitation to live as the light of the world, this invitation to follow Jesus, this is something that we all get to join in with. This is something that's honestly the most exciting part of my life, getting to, to, to worship with you guys as G2, getting to be a part of a church is committed uh, to speaking of a light in a dark world, speaking of a hope in a despairing world. And my invitation to you simply today is that uh, you can join in with this. If there's something that's been tugging at you, something that's been speaking at you throughout the different stories we've heard, throughout the songs that we've sung, those words that you've read, the videos we've watched, uh, the question to you today is, what does this mean to you? What is your response to this? And we're going to end through singing some songs, through declaring the truth of who God is, the goodness of who he is to us. Uh, But before we do that, I'd just like to invite you just to maybe close your eyes where you are. I just want to pray for us as a church. And there's nothing special in closing your eyes. It just means you're focusing a bit more. It just means you're kind of tuning out from the distractions around you. Uh, I'm going to pray out a few things. And if you agree with me, just say them in your heart. And I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Uh, I want you to chat maybe to the person that brought you, chat to the person that invited you. Come and speak to me or Annabelle. If there's something that you've prayed here, something that you've believed here, uh, that you want to kind of live on with. So Jesus, I thank you that you are the light of the world, that you are hope in our despair, that you are truth in a world of lies and confusion. And I thank you, Jesus, that following you gives us hope, gives us optimism, gives us a joy and a love that surpasses all all other things, all other ideologies and causes and reasons to, to, to exist. So Jesus, I pray now that whether it's for the first time for some of us or for the 15th time, the 500th time, whatever it is, that we would know your forgiveness in our hearts now, that we would know your acceptance of us, whoever we are, whatever we've done, whatever our story is. Jesus, I thank you that you love us and that you know us and that you invite us to follow you and be in a relationship with you where we get to hear from you and experience your presence. And Jesus, for those of us here who might be praying that for the first time, 
I ask that you would reveal yourself to them through your Holy Spirit, through the comforter, the power and presence of you, God, that we've spoken about today. Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us? Would you speak to us? Would you affirm us in who we are and reveal more of your truth, more of your goodness to us?